You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to one of the 10 best English language podcasts about Fiorentina on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. Welcome, everybody, to the second ever installment of Viola Station. I'm Mike, joined by Tito, both of Viola Nation. Coming live from both coasts of the United States, back to bring you all the latest in Fiorentina news and conversations. Tito, what's happening, buddy? Not a whole lot, Mike. Just trying to uh, make it through locked in the Viola Nation recording studio, state-of-the-art facility. How about you? Much of the same. Just staying home, staying safe, drinking plenty of wine. So not much has changed. Well, yeah, that's not a bad way to be. Well, yeah. if you're going to be drinking a lot of wine, I think that we should probably find something to toast to. So let's start out with uh, a Scudetto-winning former Fiorentina defender who would have turned 90 yesterday, Sunday, Armando Segato. Agori. Yeah, he uh, played for Fiorentina from 52 to 60, famous for being a uh, really forward-thinking, attacking fullback, which, you know, back in the 50s was a pretty brand-new idea. Yeah. Uh, he made 248 appearances for the Viola, 20 caps for Italy, so, I mean, really one of the finest players of his generation. Unfortunately, though, he is no longer with us. He died at the age of 43 while he was the coach at Reggiana. It really sounds like we're uh, complications from performance-enhancing drugs he took during his playing career, which is... Yeah, that makes sense, you know. Not not everybody had the information that we have now. People who take drugs certainly have 
the understanding of what they can do to the body. Back then, I don't really think they knew. So uh, oh. they just took the liberties without uh, any kind of foresight as to what could potentially happen. And it's unfortunate. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and just a reminder to everyone that don't do steroids and speed, guys. That's your uh, Viola Nation lesson of the day. Uh, and then we also have another birthday coming up for a former Fiorentina midfielder made 149 appearances for the club between 1989 and 1994. This and one might then, be a little bit happier. Yeah, you know, I think it might on uh, mm -hmm. Thursday, the 7th. So in just a couple of days, our own Beppe Iacchini turns 56. Auguri Beppe. Auguri. You know, I, I know that there's a lot of speculation as far as what's going to happen next season. I think right now that we just have to celebrate what we have. Here's a guy who came in, took the job. He brought us back to close to mid-table. I think, honestly, had COVID not happened, we would have been sitting mid-table or better based off of some of the tactics that he's brought in and then the players from the January market. No need to talk and speculate. It's his birthday. Let's make sure that we're celebrating it. And I'll also say this. Beppe, if you do stay on, we know that you speak English pretty well. We would love to have an interview with you. Oh, second bat. And uh, speaking of celebrating his birthday and pushing towards the top of the table, yesterday would have been the reverse leg of one of Fiorentina's most dramatic games this year. They would have been up at the San Siro to take on Inter Milan had we not, you know, gotten trapped into this vortex of hell. And I really like to think the boys would have come out and won one for Beppe. I think Dusan would have had two. A little bit earlier than the, the, the last game, but I think he would have had two goals this game. You know what? Since no one can tell us it wouldn't have happened, we're just going to go ahead and assume that it would have and that in some better, kinder universe, it did. No doubt. Until then, let's just keep dreaming. And let's also keep moving on. Uh, last week, we talked goalkeepers in the Fiorentina squad, uh, current and kind of short to midterm future. Uh, what should we do next, Mike? Well, let's bring it back up just one level. Central defenders, bud. All right. Well, in that case, we got to start with the captain, right? No doubt. Let's talk Pizzella. All right. So I think that Herman Pizzella is one of Serie A's most underrated central defenders, which is pretty incredible considering that he's a full Argentina international and still just doesn't seem to get a whole lot of appreciation. He's so good in the air. He reads the game really well. He also organizes the defense really well, which I think is such an underrated skill, especially for the man in the center of that back three. Mm -hmm. I think he does get a little bit of stick, maybe rightly so, because it seems like every year he has a little bit of a, like a rough month where he's just a step slow, step behind. I don't know. I think that tends to really stick in people's minds. But aside from maybe those four games a year, he's really good otherwise. No doubt. And to be honest, he's still relatively young. He has a lot of caps, both for Fiorentina as well as for country under his belt. That's experience that's critical to an organization like us. Still relatively, relatively young. And we'll talk about some of the other youth that we have that he's helping to organize in this podcast and one's coming up. The uh, thing that I look at, though, is the fact that he has two years left on his contract. So right now we have decisions that we make need to make as an organization. There's a lot of interest in Petzela last year, this year. So do we make a commitment, stay with him, extend his contract, or do we decide to cash in on 
what I think was about 9.5, 10 million euros for us to acquire him a couple of years back. Yeah, you know, it sounds like Napoli have been sniffing around. They've been linked in the press nonstop, possibly to plug him in next to Kostas Manolas if Koulibaly does end up leaving. But There's been a lot of talks about uh, Koulibaly could leave, going back to a lot of the internal turmoil. Um, what was that, September, October? Yeah. There was a lot of unrest there, so... Uh, that is definitely a club where there's a lot of transition. I, I think, um, again, that's a decision we need to make. And I'd, I'd be curious, to be honest, you know, going out and asking a lot of our fans. You mentioned it earlier. You know, he does have a month every year where there just seems to be a little bit absent-minded. And uh, some play does seem to slip a little bit. Unfortunately for him, that month was right before this break with, with what happened with COVID. So I'd actually be curious to see if we had a conversation with the fans, what they'd, what they'd say about uh, Petzela right now. Though I'd, I'd imagine probably everybody would be thinking, he's the captain, he's been the steady, he's been the rock, and would probably want to keep him. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm also willing to give Petzela a little bit of slack this year because he broke his face, which like, oh my God. And then he came back like two weeks later. The dude's a warrior, at least given that. Yeah. But I can also see how having a broken face would maybe make you a little bit hesitant about like sticking your head in Andrea Pitania or something. Didn't he actually break his face twice this year? Yeah. Yeah. Twice late last year, he broke it too. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. He's broken his face twice in the same calendar year. He's not afraid to put his face in there, get into a scrap. You got to love that about him. And and that right there is a symbol of a leader. Absolutely. And speaking of guys with whom you really don't want to scrap, let's talk about uh, Nikola, the mountain that kicks Milenkovic. Definitely a gentle giant. Definitely a gentle giant who will run you over. Tell that to uh, Giaccarini, who he basically spiked into the crust of the earth before scoring that absolute monster volley in the opener last year. Yeah, you know, again, young guy here. Now, he's only 22. His contract also expires in June of 2022. Uh, His market value has seemed to continue to rise over the years. But this is a guy that... We put a flag on and we've said he's ours. It seems like, again, we're doing the same thing. Uh, I'd like to think at this point we're going to be retaining him and and he'll be the mainstay in that back line for us for many years. But he's connected to every big club out there. And, you know, knowing that we spent 5 million euros on him to bring him in, that would be a nice capital game. It would. I mean, the, the real trouble there is he's he has really grown this year. It seemed like last year and even early this year under Montella, he had kind of stalled out a little bit. But under Yakini, he has just been absolutely spectacular for such a massive human. He's so quick on his feet. He can play fullback, which is bizarre. And his quality on the ball, his ability to step into midfield when the possession has gotten a little bit stagnant and kickstart an attack is really something when you get roughly six foot five or almost two meters of person just barreling forward that that forces a defense to make some very difficult decisions such as how much do i like being alive or should i step into this tackle uh and tackles i mean i read one stat where last year 
he was one of the tops. 80.2% was his tackle success ratio. So that that's pretty good. Uh, I'll be honest, despite hearing 40 to 60 million euros as, as Fiorentina would be able to make off of him, you can't. He has to he has to be with the club for many years going forward. He has a lot of experience with us. And same thing with, with Pizzella. He has a lot of club and country success. Yeah, and I think that, one, he probably doesn't want to go anywhere where he won't start and then lose his spot in the Serbia setup. And two, haven't heard even a squeak from him about wanting out, despite the interest these past few years. So it really seems like he's pretty happy in Florence, although, man, it is tough to read that Ivan Drago stone face sometimes. It, it is, it is. But uh, I'll tell you what, I'm happy if he's quiet and then he just keeps running forward and scoring those headers on some of those corners. Well, speaking of quiet but effective but also spectacular defenders, Martin Caceres, he's been really good and hasn't been hurt once? What what world is this? He's had a really good year. He has filled in holes across the back line. Uh, he's added a lot of experience. He's been able to help cultivate a lot of that youth. And you've seen a lot of people who've been interviewed uh, over the past eight months talk about what Caceres has brought just from a leadership standpoint that doesn't even take into consideration his performance on the field which he's earned every single oh absolutely he's had so uh, I've been very impressed with all that he's brought to the table knowing that he's had a lot of injury issues over the past few years yeah you know when he signed on at the beginning of the season late in the uh, in the window I thought he was a good addition for depth, but that Fiorentina were going to be in big trouble if he was starting every week. And, uh, I mean, they were in trouble for a lot of that, but it definitely wasn't on him. There have been games where he's been one of the best players on the field. He's consistently been a six and a half, seven out of ten for me. Yeah. In his versatility, he's so good in a back three or a back four in any position, which makes him so useful. And yeah, his experience, I mean, you don't get that many caps for Uruguay. He's yeah, he's right around 100 now, even in, what, 33, which we can both admit at our very youthful levels that that's really old, right? And uh, well, he doesn't look any bit of 33. Oh, our thirst trap king? Yeah, not so much. I mean, maybe we can all chip in and buy him a shirt, but no, actually, it's pretty, pretty great. Yeah, let him yeah. let him do it. I think he's doing a great job at this point. The the more people that he has joining his social media is the more social media that Fiorentina <laughs> has to access. So let it go, let it go. Yeah. So going from one of the most uh, physically visible, let's go with players. Let's go to one of the guys who's really just strange. Now that we've run through the starters, and let's talk the mystery man from Brazil. I don't even know what we call him. Is it Igor? Igor? Igor Julio, I mean, is he a center back? Is he a left back? Is he a wing back? Is I just he think big enough to be whatever the hell he wants to be. Yeah, I mean, he's Thanos. I'm not going to tell him what he can and can't do. He's a large purple man who snaps and people disintegrate. But, you know, he came over from Spal in the winter window late on. I thought he was going to serve as a Caceres' understudy, basically. And he's he's gotten in a couple of games. He's looked good, honestly. He's, like you said, God, he's just a fridge out there. I thought one of the games that he was that he played, and I forget which one. I thought he almost had a a man of the match performance. Uh, he has not been shy. He has attacked the ball. Anybody who's come across him just bounces off of him. It, it's yeah. very impressive to see 
just a physical specimen that he is, and he can still move. Not saying that he's a gazelle, but he's something close to it. At the same time, being built like a gorilla. I mean, he's just man of a mountain. He is a thick boy. Yeah. I mean, good Lord. And he's, yeah, he's watching him dribble out of the back a couple of times. Has been one of those like, oh, no, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't do. Oh, wow. Oh, that was really cool. Do that again. Well, I don't know if we want to see it again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all about it. I mean, I'm intrigued to see more of him, but I also understand that the way that with uh, Fetzella and Milenkovic and Casares, there may not be a lot of room for him right now. I think that's going to be the interesting thing moving forward. Obviously, formation's going to play a lot. Coach is going to play a lot into the decisions that are being made. I would not be surprised to see one of Petzela or Malinkovic sold. I would, at this point, lean towards Petzela being that person who's moved. Uh, I just don't think you can move Malinkovic. I mean, he he is what Castrovilli is to the midfield. He is what Chiesa is, you know, to our, our attacking. He has to be the one that stays. So then it's, what do you build around him? Do we sell Petzela and, and buy somebody, you know, for more now that we have Rocco's collateral? Do we have that person already there between Caceres and, and Igor? I don't know. Yeah. It, that's going to be fascinating to watch, especially because uh, Casares. It sounds like he's going to extend his contract by another year because he's been doing great. Everybody would be happy with that. Oh, absolutely. Except for maybe Igor. I, I think Igor at this point knows he still has a lot to learn, and uh, with Rocco's ambition, with a lot of the players' ambition, he's going to need to learn. He, you know, this is going to be a club that I would expect is going to be far exceeding the performance we've seen so far this year. You know, that's probably true. Let's move on down the roster to the final center back in the senior team, who's a little bit more of a veteran presence, Federico Ceccarini. What can you say bad about him? Nothing, honestly. You know, you you, you try to look for something maybe that uh, is spectacular, and no, you're not going to find it, but uh, he is exactly what you need. He's a professional journeyman. He you know, helps with the development of the players, great leader, great presence. You see all of that, uh, all of what he's doing right now on social media. He's great for Fiorentini. He's great for Florence. I can't say a bad thing about him. Yeah, you know, I think that he definitely comes in for some stick when he's had to step in against top clubs. I remember Duvan Zapata, for example, like taking his lunch money and shoving him into the lockers at one point. But run him out there against a bottom half side, he's going to go in, he's going to do his job. He's actually pretty good on the ball, which adds another little fun wrinkle to the tactical setup. Like you said, off the pitch more than anything, he's 27 now, 28. He's been a professional for a long time. He knows what he's doing. He's not getting in the press or getting in the coach's ears and asking for more playing time. He's happy where he is he wears awesome shirts he eats lots of sushi he plays a lot of Fortnite. what else can you ask for from like your depth on the bench that's it i think we're in agreement man i love it when that happens all right let's let's take a quick spin through the guys who are out on loan right now and let's start with uh luca ranieri who's at oscali right now oscali you know i think we know we have a story that'll be coming up hint, hint. oh man uh, it's a good one it's a good one talk about a guy who had a great performance here in the United States, you know, Rocco took over the club. He brought them over to the United States, played a couple games, had a lot of practice. He was running a lot with the first team, a lot with the second team. We saw him play. We were both impressed. He just needs time. Young guy, 21. You know, when you look at somebody like Ceccarini, who's 27, 
that's a grandfather, you know. At, at, at the <laughs> These young guys need some time out on the pitch running. So great to see that he was going to get some some run on those legs. Unfortunately, COVID happened and, and that didn't benefit him. But I honestly think that that's probably what he needs is another year if he's going to be able to mature to the point where he can contribute to the first team for Fiorentina. I agree with you wholeheartedly again. I think that Oscoli is a great, well, not now, but was a great spot for him. He'd started every game. I think he'd played every minute for him since moving over in January. Uh, he looked really good in Serie B. I think he's realistically probably still a step or two behind Igor and probably Ceccarini in the pecking order. Yeah, I mean, why make him sit on the bench every match day when he could be out getting those minutes that a young defender especially really, really needs to hone his craft and grow. The also enigmatic David Hansko, who has been on loan at Sparta Prague, or Sparta Praha, depending on how Czech you are, and has been, you know, he's had a much tougher time than I think any of us expected. You know, I thought when he was going on loan, I expected him to have a great year. I expected... There to be no doubt that he was going to be purchased at the end of the season. But after what we've seen transpire, it, it hasn't happened that way. I expect him to, at this point to come back to Fiorentina. Personally, he's one of those players that I got to meet while in New York City with Fiorentina. He was a great guy, took pictures. So emotionally, I always cheer for him. I wish him nothing but the best. Hopefully, it was just a situation where he didn't fit the system next opportunity he'll be able to shine because he came in to Fiorentina with a lot of praise accolades he had a great summer with the club over in the United States and uh, I think the future should still be bright for him I just don't know if there's going to be a spot for him with the viola yeah you know I think he's really unlucky he's a full international now for Slovakia but yeah. he's also got so many guys who played the exact same role as him either on the left of a back three maybe as a left wing back probably more as a left back in a back four like Igor and Bronieri you could add Casares to that almost I'm not yeah I don't know what happened at Sparta for him he was playing a lot at the beginning of the year and then sort of tailed off it seemed like management pulled a bunch of younger guys out uh, Martin Greitziar former Fiorentina youth prospect has also struggled a little bit for minutes over there this year despite being one of the most highly rated products in Czechia so yeah I'm not sure what's up with Hansko I think he'll probably be on loan again next year and he's someone who I think we're all really fascinated just to see how he shakes out he has the skill he has the athleticism he just needs to put it together hopefully change of scenery will be able to help him with that Let's move to the German second division, and I am so sorry, Germany. Erzika Birge Awe and Jacob or Jakob Rasmussen, the Danish enigma. Honestly, Tito, if you don't do anything else except for read those names, that's all. I mean, wow. I, there's no way I could even try. <laughs> all right, let's no talk out. You, you, got, you got the rest of the podcast covered, Mike. Yeah. Walking out now, man. <laughs> you know, Rasmussen is, is another interesting character. Uh, I think he's a victim of circumstance. He came over with a lot of praise. He probably has every bit the talent that people think he has. I don't think it's his issue. I think it was honestly an administration issue. He was purchased for just way too much money. I think that... $8 million for a guy who was not even a regular starter with Empoli was optimistic. Full youth international all the way up through the Danish ranks. 
versatile, very tall. He looks the part. He yeah. can play in midfield. He can play in the back. He can even occasionally play out wide. But I haven't seen a lot of him. I mean, he was sick, obviously, for a lot of the start of the year, which is going to impact anyone. And he missed the whole start of the season. I watched him when he got in with the Primavera just to kind of get himself acclimated to playing again. And I'm sure a lot of it was the layoff, too. But he did not look like he had been playing in the top tier or was even close to ready for it. I'll be honest, I have not watched a lot of the German second division, so I have no clue how he's doing other than that he's started every game since he moved over there, but I sure hope he gets his mojo back. For all the times that I've been over to uh, to Florence to watch practice, to watch the games, I've seen him more on the sidelines, I've seen him more in training, or honestly in the stands, you know, sitting with the, the women's team, and, and smart guy, but... You know, hopefully at some point he can put this together. He might be another one that just needs a, a change of scenery. I think that there's just a lot of pressure right now for what Corvino did in, in paying as much as he did for, for Rasmussen. It's unfortunate. On a slightly more positive side, Ricardo Baroni has been pretty good at Siena. Uh, much better than expected in some ways, except, of course, for the injuries which is a real bummer. Yeah, you know, anytime you have uh, hip surgery, that's never going to be a, a good thing, especially at a young age. You don't want to have those types of situations pop up often. He was playing very well from all accounts, though. Uh, and I know I may be speaking for myself, but I, I will say this. I'm, I'm happy to see Sienna has a team back again. I'd oh. love to see some of those rivalries. Let's, let's get them going oh, again. No. I mean, oh, yeah. As long as they come up to if they come up to Serie A, that's fine. As long as Fiorentina beat them like nine to nothing twice a year, I don't mind. Otherwise, let them rot. The heck of that. <laughs> nine, eight nothing, nine nothing. I'll be happy. Let's put it in the Copa every year. Uh, you know, I think for for Baroni, the the interesting thing is, you know, take a look at his father. So you know, there's definitely some lineage there. His oh, father yeah. had one cap with Fiorentina. They're a family from the city of Florence. So the only question I have is the over-under. Let's put it at two games for the senior club. <laughs> we oh, get man. more or less than his father. Oh, man. If you're setting that number right now, I would probably have to take the under, which is really too bad because, like you said, local kid, dad at the club, he's been all the way up through the youth ranks. you gotta, you got to be pulling for him. But with the injuries and all these other guys on the roster ahead of him, I mean, he's only, what, 21? But between the injuries and a contract that's up in two years, he's really got to show something these next two years, I think. Or he's probably going to – I mean, he's going to absolutely have a professional career. Like, there's no doubt about that, assuming he can stay healthy. But Fiorentina, is, that's a tough ask for anyone. Well, I'll say this. Here's here's my answer to that question. And I actually think it's the best ans uh, answer that any Fiorentina fan can ever ask for. I take the under. And the reason why I take the under is we're going to buy so many, so many much better players out there that are just ready to produce. If you are looking for reasons, that is actually a pretty good one. I like That's that. That's it. So that also paints a pretty, pretty bleak picture for Pierluigi Pinto, who, after a real breakout last year with Arezzo in Serie A, first year outside of the uh, youth setup in Florence. I mean, he was one of the best defenders in the division and took the big step up to Salernitana in Serie B and kind of crashed and burned. Four appearances, uh, moved to Bari. In There's the your answer. Winter. Yeah, and 
That's your answer. He hasn't even gotten off the bench, so I don't. I, I wouldn't don't either. I'd be on the beach, not the bench. It's so close, though. It's just one letter. I'd be there. Get me yeah. at get me at the beach and bar. That's where I want to be. Okay, that's actually pretty reasonable. But yeah, here's here's hoping he uh, gets it turned around too. Because man, last year I really thought he had a chance to come up and do some stuff. If we're talking Primavera. I guess we also do have to mention the trio for the young players, the youth side. Uh, Dutu, Kitty, and most importantly, Christian Dalimura. What uh, what do you what are your thoughts on them, Mike? I, I'll focus right in on Christian. I can tell you from being at a couple. Uh, practices, couple games for the Primavera. That is the player that Fiorentina has identified on that team as the one moving up. He's going to be the one that they're spoke. They're they're focusing all their time from a training. Uh, they're they're giving him individual coaching, individual training. He's getting it all moving forward. I think that that's the guy Fiorentina has identified. He has all the opportunity, the talent. He's a house. Uh, That's where we expect to see some good things. And hopefully, I I think, probably see him move on loan. You'll probably see him go through the ranks of C, B, and then hopefully up to A. So two years down the road, that's the guy on the Primavera that I think we'll see in Florence. Man, and that would be really cool, too, to see a center back pairing of Dalimura and Ranieri in there at some point, those academy products. That's, I mean, that's really the dream, right? To have an academy that brings guys all the way through and all the way up. You heard it here, everybody. Stamped, double stamped, triple stamped. Run, don't walk to the Viola store as soon as those new Kappa shirts drop and get Dalimura on the back of one. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mauricio, say hello. Hello, guys. Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so great to have you on. We're very thankful that you took some time today uh, joining us here, having a conversation. You know, I know a lot of us are are all stuck at home, but we're all doing our part here in the United States, socially distancing. Doesn't mean that we need to stop talking any soccer, especially Florentine soccer. Um, So, you know, Mauricio, uh, I know that we had you in... uh, probably six months ago, writing for the, the Viola Nation here on the Bandierai degli Uffizi. And um, that was just the first introduction. Since then, you've added quite a few things. You've actually helped our coverage inside of the soccer stadium when we were there for the inner game. So, uh, you know, just want to, again, want to thank you for joining us today. And, and we're very fortunate to have you. I think we're going to have a lot of great conversations. I'm sure about that. And thank you again for having me here. It's, it's a real pleasure. Good. So yeah, Mauricio, uh, you're from Florence, so we're not going to ask you when you became a fan of Fiorentina, since that's, you know, you've got this purple blood in your veins, but uh, what, how, like, what's, uh, what is your family's connection to Fiorentina, or do you have any personal ties to the club or anything? Well, I mean, I've been a Fiorentina fan since I was born, I believe. I, I also think that I had no other choice, honestly. I think there's a funny story that I want to share with you guys. So when I was in the primary school, I remember, you know, I was getting around with my friends and everything. And uh, one day, 
maybe after you know the peer pressure, some other uh, schoolmate might be a Juventus fan, and I go back home one day and say, "Hey, mom, you know what? I'm going to support Juventus." So I, I I still remember seeing her face, like, "What are you talking about right now?" And I spent a few days. I remember like banned from the family, like, <laughs> "This is not going to happen. This is not going to change your mind." But, I mean, imagine me, six years old. You know, with all the innocence you can have at that age, you still think the world is fair and everything, and Juventus is just another team and not that kind of team. So I was, maybe my friends are for Juventus, supporting Juventus, I'm going to join that kind of club too. No way. Probably, they probably, I was probably food deprived those days or something like that. <laughs> we can all have parents like that. And then you yeah. got some new friends. Yeah, indeed. I had I probably worked to convert those friends to Fiorentina. I, I achieved that goal. Nice. Back so, then. A missionary. Uh, yeah. And so, in that case, who uh, who are your favorite players for Fiorentina now and then, just through history, who you remember seeing? Yeah, you know, there's so many as you can imagine. But uh, when I was that age, like a little kid, I remember having Daniel Bertoni. Oh. as my my way more favorite player than everyone else i remember he was having i having the jersey with his number number seven he, i don't know if you remember him guys but he, he, he's a player from argentina he was uh right wing he was called el puntero if i'm not wrong and uh, funny thing about him is that he was considered like a lazy player but so talented that he was playing on the right wing of the field if you have been to the uh, frankie stadium like you have you know that on that side is the only shaded side in the field <laughs> so he uses to hang out on that side of the field especially in the hot summer you know the late spring or late summer like to be, <laughs> to be protected by the sun and from time to time the sprinting and then getting into the into the box of the other team and you know scoring on assists and uh, it was my favorite player oh, you know yeah, i did like that as someone from texas i definitely appreciate that desire to stay in the shade during the summer that that makes a lot of sense to me it uh, does right it does to me too since i live in texas too i live in houston texas for who for those who doesn't know so uh, so Bertoni, good choice for favorite player. Also a little bit of a deeper cut, especially for some of our younger listeners who probably aren't familiar. Correct. I'm sure that there are some YouTube videos you could look up on him. Yes, those were, those were I think, the 80s, yeah. something like that, when Daniel Passarella also was playing for Fiorentina. There's a terrifying man. Yeah. Any, then you know, if you come to more to the close to the present time, I can mention definitely Roberto Baggio is still in my heart. You know, with all the clashes and riots that were happening in Florence when he was about to be sold to Juventus, if you guys remember that too. Oh, yeah, what, what was, was that like being in the city for that? Yeah, yeah, people you know got arrested, got a lot of problems with with the, with the law back then. Yeah. People were rioting, and, rioting and protesting right in front of, uh, of the owner of Fiorentina back then, Conte Ranieri Pontello. That's the history as well. I was, you know, in my 
my I was I was a teenager. I was I was there. You know, I didn't get in any problem, but I was there watching. I remember that too. Don't worry, don't worry. None of this is uh, acceptable in a court of law. So we're not asking you to incriminate yourself in the slightest. Uh, I'll really appreciate note, let's, that. Yeah, let's uh, move on real quick to the next subject before we got to call the lawyers in. Uh, what what would you say is your favorite moment that you've ever witnessed live at a at a Fiorentina game? Again, there are so many. I mean, I'm 50 years old. I think I spent 46, 44 years since I declared my no more Juventus. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, mom and dad. Yeah, like mom and dad. So I've been so many times into the stadium watching games at home and away from home. So there really are so many. I remember so many episodes, anecdotes. I can tell you one which is not that fun if you want. Um, I went with my family away from home, Ascoli Fiorentina. I think it was 82, and a lot of memories from my childhood today. But so we went to see the game. The game wasn't that great, 0 0 at the end. We uh, walk back to the bus because we went with a bus with an organized group, an organized trip from Florence to Ascoli, which is in the Marche region like seven hours bus drive. So we go back to the bus um, parking lot and we see all these Askly uh, hooligans, you know, uh, throwing stones to our buses. Yes. And some of those actually having axes and smashing, smashing <laughs> uh, the, the glasses and the windows. Those. It, was, it was a fight. It was a fight. It was a, you know, it's a clash. We walk, and, and I remember seeing a, a guy sitting outside of a bar being stopped, too. And I said, Mom, Dad, what's going on? So we go back into the buses, and the driver wasn't there. So our bus was like one of the last ones to be uh, in that parking lot, and we got attacked. And I remember stones flying into the buses, and all the glasses, you know, crashing into the on the seats and all that, you know, the aisle that you walk into the buses. And I remember my dad being on top of me, just protecting me. And, you know, finally, all of a sudden, the bus driver must have come back and we left. And we came back from Ascoli to Florence, like those seven hours, usually in like in 15 hours, because all those uh, windows were broken and they put some, you know, tables or I don't know, whatever they put just to drive in the, in the highways one of those moments you don't forget. Have you been back there since? Not to that field, not to that <laughs> town either too, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody would return after that experience. Yeah. No, yeah, but I kept following the team away from home. Though. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've definitely kept following him even through that. In fact, you uh, just founded, I believe, only the second official, official or sorry, second official Viola Club in the United States recently. What has that been like running Viola Club Houston? Yeah, no, we decided to do that. It's actually, it's Viola Club Texas because we want to cover the whole state. As you know, Tito, since you are from here, it's a big state, so it's we don't want to miss cover. anything. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was back in a few years ago, actually. Me and one of the co founder uh, we had thought about that like why don't we do the club here in Houston Texas but you know we didn't never had a, that momentum 
But I believe since, you know, Rocco Comiso came into the game, and I have to say, also thanks to Mike's support, he said, why don't you guys do something out there in Texas? We, uh, we uh, took the momentum and uh, we decided to establish the Viola Club here in Texas. Officially started January 1st, 2020. And it was after my trip to New Jersey, July last year, to see the game, Fiorentina. What was that, Mike? Paris Saint-Germain, I think? Uh, uh, Benfica. Benfica. Well, Benfica, when I actually first met uh, Mike, and maybe you, Tito, if you were there as well. Uh, and uh, I may not remember that uh, yeah. evening <laughs> quite as well. I don't so. remember meeting you either, but, that, you know, with Mike. It's actually my birthday, so. Uh, uh-huh. There, there may have been some extracurricular activities to which I uh, cannot. I, I can say that Tito did make it into the stadium and out of the stadium, and that's all I can say. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. more than me. <laughs> <laughs> nice memory as well. So, as I said, when you know, as soon as Rocco bought the team, and a wave away new enthusiasm, you know, reached everybody in town, meaning in Florence and a big wave across the ocean that reach out to us as well. You know, those five people here, you know, running the Viola Club right now, we are so excited. You know, we're just frustrated of this forced pose that we had to take, forced break because of the coronavirus, of course. Uh, we're all victim of it. But, you know, we still are very, very excited for that. So we created and established the club in, in, in January. We started watching the games together. We gather into a couple of restaurants, Italian restaurants in Houston, Texas. One is called Fellini Cafe. The other one is Amalfi restaurants. I like to recognize them because they're so nice. They let us sit in front of the TV and they treat us, you know, with the little appetizers and everything. So we gather together. We invite people, other Italians at soccer um, fan, and not necessarily Fiorentina fan, especially among the Italian. You know, Italian, they are not, you know, most of, the, of them, they support other teams because they, they don't know the real truth. But, you know, that's what well, I mean. I'll <laughs> say this, you know, after meeting with Rocco and, and Rocco setting the precedent that he wants people like you that are in these areas that just don't have a formalized relationship with the viola club he wants people like you to put together these structures and he said you know you guys are going to be the heroes that helps to create awareness to build that brand of fiorentina and to drive revenue moving forward so i think it's great to see what you guys are doing it's wonderful to see that you guys are having fun i see you guys so active on social media spreading the word you guys are just a a great uh, um, banner for the club here Thank you, thank you. And I totally agree with the marketing strategies and everything, absolutely. You know, and social media is the main thing we could have been doing so far. You know, being active on Facebook, like guys follow us, Twitter, I think Instagram as well, you know, posting pictures of us, having fun or being sad, you know, whether the game is not gonna be as expected, you know, that's... that's and thing. your commentary is great. I, I love, you know, halftime commentary or seeing you guys outside after the game, you know, breaking it down. You guys are very detail-oriented. Love it. Thank you very much. And I have, let me mention these are two guys, you know, Philo Castore and Gianni Valdecchi. They are the co-founder with me. They're very passionate, as much as I am, 
How many members are you up to now? Well, formally member, we have like uh, around 10 because we were about to launch the campaign of membership. Yep. But, you know, we were just waiting for let's, let's hit like a victory so people can be excited and launch the campaign for the membership. But again, the virus came into the game. So, but I have to say we have more, uh, more than 200 followers on Facebook that is encouraging for us. Whoa. And we have a lot of people here and in Italy be willing to be formally members of the club so we raise some money we want to spend our money for gadgets like hats or stickers or something like this just to spread the word scarves all that scarves yeah, that, yeah. So, and, and we'll certainly try to do our part to uh spread that word for you we'll make sure that we attach uh um you know villa club texas to this podcast and to yeah. the article we will, there will be links in the article description and in the article on viola nation to Viola Club Texas and everything that Maurizio is doing. So y'all should definitely click on through those and do what you need to do. One Great. thing that I guess you probably can't raise money for, but that we should maybe highlight here is uh, I've heard there is a, uh, a lasagna in the Gambarucci household that is yes. famous. And I think that's something that we should hear about. Yeah, let me see what angle I can take to tell you guys this story so <laughs> lasagna is a famous you know worldwide famous italian dish i'm not gonna go into the details of the lasagna per se but i'm just gonna say that my mom like many other moms in italy are great at cooking are great at cooking lasagna as well so this lasagna became kind of famous in the fiorentina environment of my family because we ended up being one of the favorite dishes of one of our former players that we all still love. Actually, he's also known as the mayor of Florence in the Fiorentina environment, if you remember. He has tattooed on his arm, uh, I believe the coordinates of a Ponte Vecchio. Yeah. Just to say, hey guys, I was kind of there for a few times, right? And uh, probably some of our listeners already uh, came up and uh, could uh, guess who this guy is. And well, I'm not gonna tell you until you know the story uh, will develop. Uh, so these these players, okay, I'm gonna tell you who is Borca Valero. Oh. He's very good friend of my cousin. Thank so God. So my I was cousin Hussein Karja. Was that? Thank God, I was afraid it would be Hussein Karja. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's Borca. <laughs> Borca Valero. And his splendid family are very good friends with my cousin and my cousin's family. I think they both became good friends playing golf. And uh, they started hang up and hang out together, you know, pretty frequently. When, when Borca was playing with, in Florence with Fiorentina. And so one of those days, so you have to know that my mom, besides being a good cook with lasagna, she's the craziest Fiorentina fan in my family. She is the craziest. I mean, my daddy is also a good fan, a big fan, but my mom is the, the best for this. And so my cousin's family, once they wanted to surprise my mom, when Borca Valero was over for dinner in Scandici at my cousin's place. So they came up with a story, say, hey, Anna Maria, which is my mom, we have some uh, guests over like in a few days. Would you be so kind to put some lasagna for us? You know, there's some friends from Rome, Enrico's friend, Enrico is my cousin, 
And okay, sure, no problem. I've cooked some lasagna for you. And so would you mind like uh, bringing it over yourself like Saturday night, whatever. No Saturday, let's go to the working day. And I'll tell you why. And so, yes, so the, my mom prepares the lasagna. She brings the lasagna over to my cousin's place like right before dinner. She uh, rings the bell, climbs the stairs, knock at the door, and guess who's opening the door? <laughs> Poor Cavallero <laughs> opens the door to my mom with this tray of lasagna in her hand. She almost stops <laughs> everything. What, Porca? What you doing here? Are you really? Are you here? Is that you? Something like that. So there was an amazing surprise for her. And so she was, you know, speechless for a few minutes, I believe. Everybody was laughing at her, hugging and kissing. It was still allowed back then, you know, hugging and kissing. <laughs> yeah. So, but the story is not finished. So, and so they started dinner. They, and Borca is, you know, eating lasagna like he never had him before. They never eaten in a few days or something. So, I mean, I don't know if they have to disclose this, but he's not with Fiorentina anymore. So, the coaches and trainers are not concerned with his diet anymore. But he was eating like crazy those lasagna portions. And uh, let's switch to Texas at that point. That was dinner time. So, it was lunchtime in Texas, right? And uh, I got a call on Skype on lunchtime. I was in a business meeting at that point. You have to say what I talk to my parents every day in my morning time. So I wasn't expecting a call on lunchtime. So what's going on? Is something wrong? So I take the call on Skype, you know, FaceTime thing. And I see Borca Valero on the other side, <laughs> you know, eating together close by my mom. So there was a surprise for me as well. So those lasagna brought us together you know, across the ocean. It was great for me to see all my family together, Borca Valero and his family, you know, the wife of CEO and the kids enjoying lasagna. And, uh, you know, that's the story. That was great. That was really awesome. Now I understand that's all he asked for every time he comes back. Correct. Yeah. Every time he's come back to Florence, see my cousin and everything, he wants lasagna. But that lasagna travels to Milan as well. Because every, most of the time that my cousin Enrico goes visiting him in Milan, he has to bring some lasagna there. And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Well, and, and I will say this. So when I was over in Florence last, I was over there with uh, Maurizio. Maurizio was very kind, brought me over to the family's house. Between the Gambarucci and the Beachy families, that family is a, a bunch of cooks. They, they have the best chefs in all of Florence. His mom, his aunt, hands down, the best food you will ever get. Best hospitality, nicest people. And I also hear that it was uh, Apple's birthday yesterday, uh, the dog. Apple, yes. Yeah. Apple, you know the word Mela, which is the Italian word for apple, which is the name of the dog that you met as well. It was her yeah. birthday, I think, a couple of days ago. Correct. We have to, we have to wish the puppy uh, happy, six, uh, happy six years. Happy six years. birthday, Mela. So, Thank you, guys. Uh, I, I don't think that we can actually stop with the family here because Gambarucci Beachy family, there, there's a lot of connections between the uh, uh, the, baton, uh, the flag throwers in, in Florence, the Bandiarai degli Uffizi, uh, but also you guys have a, a deep-seated roots with the marathon in Florence. Can you talk about that? Sure, correct. You know, my cousin Enrico is in the group of the Bandiarai degli Uffizi, 
and my I mean his dad, which is my cousin. Gabriele is also a member of the historical uh, parade of Florence. They all belong to the group that, you know, usually uh, organize events uh, to celebrate the story of Florence. And I also involved very closely, especially my cousin Gabriele, with the organization of Firenze Marathon, the marathon in Florence, which is one of the official marathons that has been around throughout the world. It takes place, I believe, in November every year. It's huge event when thousands of people uh, join Florence from all over the world. And the Firenze Marathon is also a charity organization event. They raise money for you know, any kind of charity. And there's a strong tie with Fiorentina and Morocco Community Organization as well, because most of the times one of the Fiorentina players or coaches um, uh, is there just to take off the marathon. I remember at least when I was there, uh, like uh, 10 years ago or something, Cesare Prandelli, which is another person that we all love very much in Florence, used to be there, be present, doing charity events. We always available to help the town and the city and give something back, which is uh, an ideal and principle that we all love. So Firenze Marathon for those who are runners, I mean, hopefully it's going to take place this year. November is away enough from now. Hopefully we'll be able to do something. I see here in Texas doing virtual marathon, virtual training, virtual, I mean, all over the world, I believe, which are running and uh, but hopefully in November will be time to get back together. Hey, Mike, we can, you know, we can take this as a commitment. What if the Firenze Marathon is going to take place? We'll get there in November. Uh, as, long as, as long as you don't make me run, I'm there. <laughs> no, no, no. I was kind of, you know, water. Implying they run a few miles about that. I'll, I'll hand out the waters. Everybody else is running. <laughs> Volunteer. But okay. Consider me there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Anytime I can get that. back to see you and the family, I'm there. Uh, right. I, I think it'd be hard pressed for us not to talk a little bit about the experience that you and I had. Uh, and I think it was, it, I know it was my last game in Florence. Was it your last game, the inter game? Absolutely. Yes. I yep. was supposed to go in April, but of course I couldn't. Yeah. And I'm supposed to go in two weeks, but uh, that's not happening either. So uh, oh, we have our memories now. Uh, but that was a very memorable game. It was. And thank you again for bringing me to the, the press pass, into the you know press, whatever area. So it was an amazing experience yep. for me. Thank you for that. And I still have the badge here with me. But you know the game was amazing as well. For those who don't remember, where the match ended up 1-1 with Inter, and we were losing, and Borja Valero scored in yep. the first half yep. of the game. Do you remember he never that scores, too? Ever. Yep. Why? And he didn't celebrate. Yeah, no. Didn't celebrate. He didn't. He's a, he's a he didn't celebrate. He behaved properly. He really behaved. Yep. And uh, yeah, he did that. So we were losing. We were with. We, we all thought Mike and I as well. We were you know, going to lose this game. And yeah. it was those moments where Montella could be fired. You know, we all thought that that's going to, were going to be the last Montella's game, but it didn't happen yet for him because you know, in the last couple, uh, the last ten minutes or so, the great game, the great goal scored by Vlahovic, that you know he took the ball from the the, the mid 
the mid part of the field. He ran, he ran, he ran on the left side of the, of the, of the field. He entered the box. He kicked with his left foot in a way and in a play that a goalie couldn't reach. And we all, I think, exploded, exploded. screaming. We, didn't we explode, both of us uh, and all of us? It was I such... think on the last podcast, I, I, I described it as screaming like little school kids for minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, correct. We, yeah. we, we kept screaming and jumping for a few minutes, definitely. And I don't know if you remember, Mike, right uh, in the row underneath us, there was the Rye journalist, and there was broadcasting live yep. the, the game. I really hope he got our screams. You know, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be hard for us not to. Yes, <laughs> I remember sometimes. I remember sometimes turning the words. I said, "Hey, no, they're allowed. No, they're yeah. allowed." But it, we couldn't help. In that yeah. Moment. Listen, I don't, I don't think we said anything bad. <laughs> I don't think you could even understand what we were saying. I, I don't think any words came out of our mouth. Just a whole bunch of shrieking, shrilling yes. screams. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Nobody expected that, but when it happened, it was absolutely amazing. Oh my god! And that goal. Yeah, power, precision. I mean, that was everything. Everything that you could ever ask for. Um, but you know, you, you thank me. I have to thank you because, to be honest. Having you there at that game allowed us to have a better experience uh, at Viola Nation. You know, getting to meet uh, Benedetto, uh, you know, who's a, a media legend over in Florence, and then also one of the great goalkeepers, Giovanni Galli. Correct. Uh, we met Benedetto you know, Ferrara and Giovanni Galli. You know, we yep. shake hands. Yep. We so that that was that was a great moment, and you know, then going in watching the media, and then of course we got to uh, see Borja afterwards. My God, that's true too. I, I forgot we did because in the what they call you know the, the, the moment after the game, the, yep. the players they meet the press. We had the chance to go down there and uh, chit chat with Borca between an interview and another. We took a couple of pictures with him and uh, we disclose who we are, who who we were, like yep. my cousin's cousin and friend. And so we talked about lasagna again with him, if you remember. It was we nice. The circle. Yeah. We the circle. We did. We did. Yeah. Yeah. So it was an experience. Got to see Conte and D'Ambrosio and a couple others down there. We, we missed uh, the Fiorentina players, which would have been nice, but uh, uh, it was still a great experience. It sure was. Absolutely. Yeah. So as, as far as moving forward, what are your thoughts with this club? You know, so now we're coming to a transition period. You know, we're going to be having some conversations uh, with others uh, around what comes next, you know, for the club this year. Sounds like it's going to continue in some kind of modified fashion. But then we're going to be coming into uh, another market. Um, so what are your thoughts on finishing the, the, the year out with the talent we have and going into the summer market? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, uh, let's say, I feel safe, let's say, because I trust Rocco. Yeah. That's one of the main things. I trust Rocco. I trust the people he trusts. Because if he trusts Prade, I trust Prade. You know, definitely he trusts Barone, and there's no reason for me not to trust Barone as well. They look very close. So I'm sure they'll do the best for us from the team. And of course, I hope he can keep all the you know best players that we have. Hopefully, Chiesa will stay another year with us. It sounds like, it looks like, I don't know, you know, looking at how happy Federico seems to be on his Instagram or working from home. You know, training for a moment, everything. It looks like he belongs 
he belongs like, like he, he wasn't looking before. So that's encouraging to me. And of course, if the Inter or Juventus will offer a bunch of money that you cannot say no, I think none of us will be that desperate because we're all sure that Rocco will invest that money plus some other bunch of cash into better players or more, a large number of great players. So I'm confident, I'm positive about it. I'm really positive we can only grow. We're already growing and we will keep growing uh, under, under his guidance, I believe. And I hope, of course, I can't wait that the, the league, the Serie A, will start again. You know, How nice would it have been if we could have watched some games during these months, right? Yeah. God knows if we miss all that. Yeah, there's no sport anywhere. You know, the whole world went no, silent. Can, yeah. Except for Belarus. Except for Belarus. They're still playing, but... Just well, why is that not broadcast here? <laughs> they're not on SPN, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. But they're they're somewhere out there. I think they're the only professional league still playing in the world, which is just the craziest thing I can imagine. But yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's so many, you know, there's so many options out there for the Serie A to start again, and for all these European European leagues to start. I don't know which one is the best. It's not up to me. I mean, safety first course and uh, uh, I think that the idea of having you know this season to up and running until the end of the year to try to catch up with the schedule uh, for the the world championship in Qatar which is gonna be held in November December is not a bad idea to me you know it gives a little bit more time for the games not to be so uh, tight Back to back, one to each, one with each other. I don't know. I mean, if it was me, I would go there. Right? I don't know what you guys think. I think we'll soon see. You know, I think that there's still quite a few options. What we do hear, though, is that the season will continue in some shape or form. Certainly behind closed doors, and, and we all know what that was like watching that one game. But I'll be honest, despite being just such a weird feeling of watching players out there with no fans, I still prefer watching players out there with no fans. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. All right. I think that's all the time we have for today. Maurizio, thank you so much for coming on. And can you tell all of our listeners uh, where they can find you and Viola Club Texas online on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram? Absolutely. I think if you type Viola Club uh, Texas on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, that's only us. So you cannot miss us. We also have a website out there, which is violaclubtexas.org, O-R-G. So there's plenty of ways to reach out to us. Of course, you know, the social media platforms are a little quieter these days but we are still there if you want to send us a message or anything or like the page or follow us we'll get back to you right away and thank you guys again for having me here it was a pleasure and a lot of fun Forza Viola Viola Station is hosted by Viola Nation writers Mike and Tito Tito also produced this episode special thanks to Maurizio Gambarucci for hanging out with us on this one you can keep up with him at Viola Club Texas on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, too, or you can visit us at violanation.com. Windchime Weather did our theme music. 
check them out at windchimeweather.bandcamp.com. Viola Nation is part of the SB Nation Network. Forza Viola. Sports Social Podcast Network.